What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and I have a special guest joining me today once again, Brendan Hall. He is the Director of Integrated Marketing at Oxygen Esports. And if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that I don't really talk a lot of esports because I don't know that much about it, but I want to learn more, and I think you'll want to learn more once you hear from Brendan. So, Brendan, thanks for joining us. How are you today? John, uh, my longtime friend here, it is always, always a pleasure to be uh, chatting with you, man. And and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. For those that don't know, Brendan and I started working together way back when ESPN Boston covered high schools. Brendan did a phenomenal job as their editor. I wrote some stories for him and really enjoyed it. That was a fun time. Brendan. You were you were a uh, you were you were you were a, a, a you were a five tool player, John. Yeah. You, uh, you did some excellent feature work for us. Um, I, I look at those years as, um, you know, a lot of trial and error, sure. but also a lot of fun. I, I think, you know, for anyone kind of obviously had the ESPN brand name, but really this was a startup startup and, and, and kind of that entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial spirit, sure. I think was with everybody. Uh, people like you, uh, a number of our, our writers who were building their own brand and what we all discovered about ourselves and had a blast doing along the way. Um, a lot of those lessons, maybe this is a nice segue into what I do now. A lot of those lessons then still hold up now as far as like what the rules of engagement are for how you build a brand, how you build community, um, how you get people to really just uh, really get that FOMO going. So. Yeah. And, and I think you're hundred percent right in that you, know, you built that from the ground up and you had a team of writers that worked right along with you. And after that, You've had this new venture in Oxygen Esports, which on the surface, right? When I hear, okay, you're, you're covering high school sports, ESPN Boston. Now you're Esports. I'm thinking, oh, there's nothing connected there. But you're, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of lessons that can carry over from one to the other. Yeah. Honestly, one of the things, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, John, I'm kind of coming into this uh, as an outsider, kind of a newbie. I'll be fully honest with you. Like I have an Nintendo 64 sitting next to my desk here. That's just Super Smash Bros. And my seven-year-old daughter, Paige, Falcon punches me into outer space every night. That's about the extent of my, like, gaming. Um, but honestly, what attracted me to this job, um, you know, when I took it last year was um, the branding around some of the teams they owned, you know, in particular the Boston Breach, which is a Call of Duty team uh, that competes in the Call of Duty League owned by Activision Blizzard. And 
a lot of a lot of their branding they wear these masks when they when they go up on stage for tournaments and there's a lot of like there's kind of a hacker theme to it i honestly look at when i looked at that branding the neon green some of the the, the some of the, like the the drip on the signage the x um like it, it just screamed like mr robot or some sort of cyberpunk style vibes and i was like you know there's you would never have a chance to work on a brand like this in traditional sports but in esports where it's still kind of wild west and there's a lot of startup brands trying to make a name for themselves a lot of really cool off the wall collaborations um i that's that really excited me about it um and you know john what i've kind of found is is the rules of engagement for how you build are kind of evergreen whether you're at espn whether you're in esports or whether you're you know, work in a plumbing supply store. It's all kind of relevant. Um, and and so building it from the ground up has really been a lot of fun. And we've seen, we've really seen this thing take off. Um, we have some good investment here for, between the Gronkowski family and uh, Grant Williams, who will miss. Um, uh, the, obviously, Crash Sports Group, the Boston Uprising was a Crash Sports property, now transferred over to us. Um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some good stuff here. John Rahm is also an investor, um, who yeah, just won the masters. So, um, yeah, you, you know, and I, and I think that I, I think the bones of, of this whole kind of ecosystem have shown enough promise that this like is something that will stick around. It's not going anywhere, but it's, it's going to stick around. And so I think there's a lot of ground floor interest right now. Um, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but, uh, I think the question was about like, you know, how you, how you build. Right. Sure. So, um, you know, really like, like, you know, you know, this John from your, um, what you've been doing, building your brand for the last decade or so is that, you know, it takes off when the people who follow it feel like they got a stake in it, you know, and, the, and those guys who are, are early adopters and they tell their friends and, you know, that, they're the ones who drive that parabola. Right. So um, you see a lot of this here. And, you know, when we have watch parties at, at Helix Esports, which is our official training facility, used to be showcased live. We still have the concert hall stage, still have the bar, still have great wings. Um, but like these people come from hours away because they, they, they want to see the team live, but they also feel like they can come to this place and be themselves. And that's super cool too. And now you mentioned, you have some huge investors, John Rom, Grant yeah. Williams, the Gronkowskis, and people are will come from hours away to see these events. When someone walks into an esports event, specifically for your team, what do they see? Um, I, I mean, well, if if you're at Helix Esports, you're going to see. Um, it, it, I call it the Buffalo Wild Wings for gaming. Okay. Like you're gonna see that's a good picture in itself, by the way. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna you're gonna see Twitch streams going on on all, all corners of the building. You're gonna see uh gang PCs, rows of gang PCs already. You can sit down and and and, and get your rank up uh, on whatever game you play. You're gonna see mouthwatering food. I mean, our, our wing our wings are, are that good. You're also gonna see the teams themselves, the teams that you follow on Twitch and YouTube. You're gonna see them actually playing in the facility. Now we we kind of draw the shade and and keep them in that room when they're when they're actually competing live. But you know you stick around. You're gonna to get to meet these people after the matches. You're gonna to get to take your selfies and autographs. You're gonna to get to actually know these guys on a one-on-one -on -one basis. 
you're going to see lots of stuff. I, I, that's why I call it the Buffalo Wild Wings of gaming. Like if you're if you're really into that world, this is the perfect place for you to come hang out. You're going to meet other people who are into these games themselves. You're going to find cool merch. Uh, you're going to get a lot. You're going to get everything. So um, it real it, it really is a one of a kind experience. There is no other place like this in New England, and not just because of the size of the place, but just the camaraderie we see here. The amount of people we come, you know, when I'm there in the office, at least once a day, somebody comes in here and they're looking for uh, they're looking for Brigham up at the top of your place or they're looking for the movie theater and they, they took a wrong direction. And then they come in here and go, OK, I got to come back here with with the, with the with all my friends. We got to we got to check it out. Uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of a one of a kind place. There's no other place like it around here. Yeah, and full disclosure, I've been there, and you're 100 percent right. The yeah, first time, right? the first time I walked in, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, the, and <laughs> you, what you said earlier, all the lights and everything. Like, yeah. and there's so many different stations there, but then there's great food as well. And you mentioned that someone will walk into one of these tournaments and they'll yeah. see the competitors right up close. And I think a lot of people they may know what esports is and, and understand gaming, but they don't know a lot about the people that actually play the games and play esports. When you know these guys that, that and girls that play esports, what level and what type of preparation and and goes in practice goes into them becoming elite at gaming and whatever they play? Uh yeah, it's kind of intense. <laughs> and and it's something we that that I think the industry is starting to work on a lot with 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 uh, you know, mental health awareness and and making sure there there's 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 balance. I think it's important. These guys are, are when they're not getting. We just had our Rainbow Six team. Um, they were at Helix this weekend for a boot camp before they head off to Saudi Arabia for a tournament. Um, and they're in their hardcore gaming. They're in there practicing 10, 12 hours a day. Uh, you know, in, in, a, in a game like Rainbow Six Siege, where there is a ton, a ton of strategy. Not that Call of Duty isn't. But like, there's definitely a, a different level of, of of complexity to the game. Uh, but then in between, you're you're seeing uh, a wellness coach working with these guys, making sure they're stretched out, making sure they're they're not sitting sedentary, you know, for ten hours a day. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the, the training is intense, um, and, and these guys, uh, I, I, I think it's actually quite astonishing how much. Uh, work goes into this. We're talking maybe 10, 12, 14 hours. Um, you know, it's really funny. We had, you know, as our Boston Uprising team was here, you know, training for the season. And so, like I told you last time, we also have stand-up comedy coming two nights a week, uh, Friday and Saturday's comedy scene. These guys are in there training their asses off while there's a wild scene going on, people telling wild jokes out there on stage. It's actually quite quite impressive they don't lose their focus they are locked in 9 30 at night uh you know getting getting their reps in so yeah there's a lot of training that goes in there and for the and for those that may not know the team that you're involved with and you mentioned they do 10 12 14 hours a day is that standard across, i mean is that what their competition is doing across the board or is this can it vary team to team Hard for, hard for me to say because I don't know how these other guys operate. But, yeah, for our, our team, the Boston Uprising, and, and I, should, I should clarify, this is, our, um, this is our Overwatch team. And Overwatch is a considerably complex game that requires a lot of um, unique strategy to it. And so 
that in itself lends to a lot of uh, a lot of mental training, um, and then a lot of a lot of just practicing how you how you work with with your teammates. You know, you get you get you, it's a five on five, and there's different players that have different roles out there, um, and, and and so what uh, what that entails. But yeah, I mean it's it, it's 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 a lot more intense than maybe you know the layman might think. Oh, these guys are just sitting there, you know, staring at a TV. Um, especially when you, when you think about, um, I, I always heard a story with the, with the Celtics, with their 2k team is, is how much those guys are in the gym. And, you know, I imagine for how much you're, you're playing with your fingers, a hanging board is, is probably pretty like, maybe like those rock climbers have, yeah. uh, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it can get pretty intricate. For sure. And it sounds like not only is there a lot of preparation on your side, the opponents, there's a deep amount of preparation. So, can only imagine that these tournaments are probably pretty intense. And you mentioned that the team's going to Saudi Arabia coming up. Is this a world? Would you look at esports right now? Is this a worldwide phenomenon to you? Definitely. Um, you know, for our, like, for instance, our Overwatch team, it's very, uh, very big in South Korea, where all of our Overwatch players are from. Uh, when you see some of these tournaments in Europe, um, when you know, you, you know, Rocket League had a huge uh, tournament in, in, in uh, Germany back in the, back in December. Um, it, it's, you know, definitely like, a, like when you see the rocket league players in, in, in the Netherlands and Germany and the UK, um, it draws from all over, you know? Um, and, and this has been a thing for a long time, uh, you know, in Japan and, and, and Korea. Um, we got a lot of them in Europe, um, you know, for, 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 for call of duty, um, there's a Latin American kind of explosion that, that, that uh, is coming up. We have, uh, a very gifted young Call, Call of Duty player, Snoopy, who hails from Mexico. He's one of the one of the very few Mexi- Mexican-born players uh, in the league right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of interest in Brazil. Yeah, I, I'd say this is this is definitely a worldwide thing. I mean, think about it, John. If you're gaming, how easy is it for you now to play against somebody from halfway across the world? And so, this has been a really powerful tool for uniting different cultures across different parts of the, parts of the world. Yeah, you make a great point. I mean, 15 yeah. or 20 years ago, if you wanted to play someone in a video game, you had to go to their house. And I yeah. think you've made this point before where now yeah. you can turn on your Xbox and play someone in China yeah. at, at any moment's notice. And I think that the explosion of that, especially over the past 15 years, I think yeah. it's not a surprise that we've seen your esports industry grow so much in that time as well. Yeah. And I, and again, I, I think, you know, over the next decade, as we watch this thing grow, I mean, there's projections that this could be a $12 billion industry by, by the end of the decade. Uh, and, and, and it's because of this connectability and how, how easily those barriers to entry have been removed with today's advancements in technology uh, by, by far. Um, and, and, and there's kind of a misnomer here. Gamers really do want to be social. And maybe this is where we draw it back to Helix, right? We buffalo. Like, there's people that come to our events solo. And they feel completely in in their own element because there's people very like minded like them, and you know they can they can they can talk Call of Duty people, they can talk uh, Overwatch these people. So, sure. yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot of bones in place that have a lot of investors uh, really optimistic about the future. And that's was actually going to be my next question, Brad. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> it, it could be a tw- you mentioned, and this jumped out at me that you there's projections. It could be a $12 billion industry, but yeah. and that type of revenue, that's, you know, NBA and MLB level revenue. 
So, yeah. I, I mean, I would add, just ask you, where do you view or what do you view as the future of esports in the next seven, eight, ten years? God, that's a tough question. I, I think also it depends on on what what happens with the games, what what titles. I mean, who saw Fortnite being a, as big as it was, you know, ten years ago? Um, you know, Call of Duty has never been more popular. I think in in its history. I think the the most recent title that came out last year, the only title that's ever sold more over the first three days was Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. I think so. Yeah. Um, that's huge. Um, but who knows? I think it depends on, on what, what the next titles, uh, what the next big, great title is uh, and, and how much that impacts things going forward. But, but do you view the, ind- I know the titles make it, but like the yeah. just growth of the industry, do you think oh, it's going to continue oh, growth, on yeah. that trajectory? Yeah. Put put it. I, I mean, definitely if you, you know, I'll, I'll share this anecdote. We had the Patriots in here on uh, in, in April um, for a wonderful event that we do where they, they will game with uh, children of merit, the military uh, parents. And, um, you know, at the end of the night, we have a raffle and, you know, given the choice between a, a signed Patriots football uh, from a Patriots player or a, a Boston Breach mask, those 10, 12 year old kids were going for the mask every time. And so um, these these young kids, they know the creators, they know the influencers and, and, and it's a big deal to them. And as that audience grows. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, that's uh, like I think that creator economy this could be another hour talking about influencer marketing, but like that creator economy, it's going to be real interesting, but I, I, I definitely, I think that's going to be a huge part of it in the future as, as people get into content and understand, uh, you know, how much entertainment that is. And then, and look at that in the face of cord cutting too. Let's, let's not yep. forget about that. Right. So that, that's going to be an interesting uh, wrinkle in this whole thing too. Yeah. And I think you know, if you, that $12 billion number, even if you come yeah. close to that fall a little short, we're still talking again, Right. MLB, NHL type. I mean, that's yeah. you're going to be on par with those types of sports. And we know how popular those sports are. So if you can be on par with them, even in the neighborhood, I think yeah. that's going to represent massive growth. And you look at and you can tell me if you disagree with this or not. In yeah. a way, you can compare it to the NBA in the early 80s, whereas in the 70s, yeah. it wasn't televised as much. Not as many people were into it. And by the end of the 80s, it was, yeah. you know, arguably the biggest sport on the planet and then you had yeah. that 92 dream team in the olympics it almost sounds like esports is trying to trend in that direction yeah i think yeah and, and to your point there it's an excellent point you make um with the parallels nba because i think one thing the nba does really well that i think esports does too is is that barrier to entry being really easy to access think about how easy it is to log on to twitch to watch a call of duty tournament or now i think a lot of these guys are going to youtube like how easy it is going going to youtube and watch a watch a, tuna, a tournament and not to get a paywall uh, yeah, that's kind of one of the things that concerns me. I, I saw, let me close my door here for a second. Um, you know, uh, John Skipper at uh, ESPN had said a while back, uh, or, or former ESPN executive had, had made a comment a while back about why don't they charge, you know, some ex- what, 250 bucks to watch the Super Bowl. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the NBA, okay, I think a big part of why they've grown globally so much is how easy it is to access. You know, the RSNs might not like this, but you know, they've under Adam Silver, they've had a very laissez-faire policy with how content gets distributed. You know, in other words, some some guy who definitely doesn't have the rights to the to these, you know, last night's LaMelo Ball highlights is posted in many ways on his YouTube channel. And the NBA, instead of looking at it as, hey, we'll shut it down, they look at it as, hey, that's free marketing for us. 
right? And so there's definitely parallels that, I mean, look at how much NBA has grown. Everyone wants to point to the ratings. I, I don't know, man, TV's going to go in a different direction, but like digital engagement for the NBA has never been better in league history. Yeah. Right. I think I saw somewhere once where it was about a year or two ago when like the first 10 days of NBA free agency are like 10 of the like highest volume days on Twitter or something like that. Uh, I mean, are you surprised yeah. to hear that? Right. I'm so, not, I'm not shocked at all. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, and that's where the NBA absolutely nails it. Uh, and that's where I think esports does really well too, is how easy it is. You don't need a Peacock subscription to watch Call of Duty. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, what was it? Um, uh, if, I think I was listening on. I think it was Dan Wetzel's podcast a few months ago. Where he mentioned about if you're a Yankees fan right now, think about all the different because because the Yankees getting streamed about about different channels. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So Apple you, Plus and Apple the regional Plus, sports yes, and Fox Sports One. So yeah. if you want to sit down and, and watch the Yankees every night, you're looking at paying 50 bucks a month. Yeah. Because it, it, and, and, and how much are you paying if you want to watch the Boston Breach? play New York Excelsior, uh, sorry, New York subliners uh, in a call of duty match. Nothing. Nothing. So, you know, that's where the NBA gets it really right. And I think that's where esports um, does, does really well too, is, is removing those barriers to access. Yeah. And I think the other part of it, the barrier to entry, because it's so easy to be part of esports. You can just pick up a yeah. controller and play yeah. and you buy an Xbox one time and you buy a game yeah. one time and you can have it for life Yeah, and you can and always be part of it. And, and, and the thing about this too, John, is because of how easy it is to access NBA footage, somebody growing up in a, in a, in a, in some remote village somewhere halfway across the world sees LeBron highlights and wants to be the next LeBron. Um, think about like the Super Bowl and why, and why I thought that comment was so ill-advised is like, if you're the NFL, you really have to grow the two markets, I think, in the next generation or two to keep the, keep this game going. Is is one is the women's game, which, hey, Boston Renegades, another another uh, another, another good dynasty, right? Um, but the, grow the women's side of it, and then the international side of it. And think about maybe if I, I don't know if uh, like you think about like stories like Jordan Mailata, um, think about um, who, who Jared Hayes in the NFL playing games, yeah, in Jacob Johnson, Germany, you know, like, yeah, yeah, the family program. So, like, you, you keep the Super Bowl for free. Some kid in Brazil who, who's not very good at soccer but finds a way to tune into the Super Bowl for free, and he sees Patrick Mahomes and wants to be the next Mahomes. Yeah. You know, and that – you can't put – you can't just paywall that, okay? So, um, so that, again, that's, that's where, that's where a, a league like the NBA gets it so right. The NFL, I think, does a pretty good job with it too. And that's where esports, I think, has a real win is how accessible all the content is. Awesome. So, Brendan – Director of Integrated Marketing and Oxygen Esports, which is at Gillette Stadium. And I know you have to get out of here soon, but I did want to ask you about, there is another team that plays at Gillette Stadium, the New England Patriots. You're a big yeah. football guy, big Patriots guy. Eight and nine last year, missed the playoffs. Uh, have Bill O'Brien, have Juju Smith-Schuster, have Mike Kosicki. Do you see them bouncing back and being a playoff team this year? Oh, it's tough. Um, I think Vic Fangio's got something to say about it, Ooh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um Jalen Ramsey down there. Jalen Ramsey. Um, there's that there's that Buffalo uh Hydra to deal with, right? And who knows what what the Jets have? Always gonna know what they have on defense. Who knows what Rogers has, but he's got Garrett Wilson, who I think is one of the brighter Stud. young receiver talents in the league. Uh, he's a great question, John. Um 
boy, it's it feels like in about in the period of about five years, the AFC East went from a, a doormat doormat division to maybe one of the toughest divisions in football. Might be the best one in the NFL this year. Yeah, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what the what the what the make of the chances this year. I do think if you really believe that, like this is this is Mahomes and Burrow's league, and you got to be equipped to beat those types of teams. I think the Patriots have a solid shot. I think I love I love what they did with Christian Gonzalez. Well, let's see what he has with pads on, obviously. But um, you know the the way that you you're gonna have to go for a team like that is is make sure you get pressure up the middle, right? And that's yeah. always been a hallmark of, of Belichick defenses. Um, and I think having having O'Brien there, you know, look, I I, I think I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Where like everything we learned about the dysfunction of last year is is kind of anecdotal. Right. And so we don't know how they operated like with Patricia and judge and, and all that stuff. But like, to me, it just seems like there's more, I don't know, organization. Does that, yeah. Is that competency. Right? That's yeah. the word I've been using. There's okay, just more yeah. competency. So, so but yeah, organization's um, a good one too. I, I don't think people appreciate how like imperative that is to, 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 to have structure to, to, to you know show up on uh, on game day and know what you're doing every minute before kickoff like uh you know you know like I don't think it's a secret that like a, a, a that like Sean McVay teams and, and guys from his tree are able to succeed where they do because of how organized and structured they are and and how 360 the feedback is and and how they get everyone. like that that matters so much you can have the greatest scheme. I mean, John, you, you've coaching in college football. How many how many times have you heard this, the, thing, the the term "win the whiteboard"? Right, yeah, right, right. Every, everybody, everybody's got a winning play on the whiteboard. But if you don't have the structure in place to actually execute it, um, you know, you're you're going to be a lot of problems. And that's why I think the, the O'Brien Mac Jones relationship is going to be so important. Just some normalcy. Just a guy who's not afraid of the big moment. Just a guy who who is very comfortable in this role. And really, that's gonna that's gonna be a calling presence for a guy like Mac Jones. So I, I'm optimistic, but Jesus Christ, the the, the division is stacked this year. So. Yeah, the AFC East. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think we've been able to say this in about 20 years, but right. that's a meat grinder of a division now. Absolutely, you got Absolutely. four potential playoff teams, and technically, all four could make it, but pretty unlikely all four right. will. So I think a right. good team is gonna get left out at some point this season. He is Brendan Hall, Director of Integrated Marketing at Oxygen Esports. Brendan, this was a different type of show for me. I learned a lot. It was a yeah. pleasure to talk to you, and I hope to have you on the show again sometime soon. Always a pleasure, John. Cheers, buddy. You got it. Please stay tuned for a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back into Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons. Big thank you to Brendan Hall for joining me in the first segment to talk some esports, something that be honest with you i didn't know a lot about and he taught me quite a bit so make sure you catch that full segment he talks not only about the venues of esports and where he works but the teams the players the preparation a lot of interesting stuff and also some really cool facts and projections about what their future and the future of esports as a whole is going to be i did want to spend a segment though talking about the other big story in sports, and when I say the other, really the biggest story in sports, and that's Dame Lillard requesting a trade after 11 seasons with Portland. He's 25 points a game in his career, six, just about six and a half assists per game, four rebounds per game, seven-time All-NBA player. And the catch is, not only has he been in Portland for 11 years, he signed through 2027. So and not just signed through 2027, we're talking – 
$45 million in 2024, $48 million in 2025, $58 million, yeah, $58 million in 2026. And get this, a player option in 2020 or for the 26-27 season, $63 million projected. Massive, massive. $63 million for anyone is massive. And at that point, he'll be in his mid-30s on top of it. So look, here's my thing. And and you anyone listening to this podcast, you know I'm a Celtics guy. Do I want the Celtics to get Dame Lillard? Of course I do. I have a pipe dream of Lillard, Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis all on the court at once. And that would be awesome. It would be a one-year thing. The trouble is, if you're Portland, Boston's package is not as attractive as I think a lot of folks would imagine, even if they include Jalen Brown. Because if Jalen Brown gets traded, it means he's not going to sign an extension there right away. So Portland has to bank on him having a good experience for a year and wanting to stay. The Celtics picks will be later in the draft. I love Robert Williams, and I wish the Celtics wouldn't trade him. But if they include him in that deal then we're still talking someone that is a good player who's had a lot of injuries. So I think if you're Portland, the Celtics have an attractive offer, and I think it's more attractive than Miami, but I don't think it's attractive as maybe, say, Philadelphia could give you. I mean, if you're the 76ers, you have Joel Embiid, who just won the MVP. You just hired Nick Nurse, who won the 2019 NBA Finals as head coach. Why not bring in Damian Lillard? And I said this last summer, they should have done everything they could to bring in Kevin Durant. Why not bring in Dame Lillard, a bona fide number two? He would be by far the best player that Embiid has ever played with. So you would bring him in, and yeah, Harden's not going to be there. Lillard is a much better player than James Harden. And if you have to give up Tyrese Maxey, I get it, that stinks, and you got to hold your nose when you do that. But if you're the 76ers, Joel Embiid is getting towards the wrong side of 30. He's had injury issues in the past. He just won the MVP, and you just hired Nick Nurse, an NBA champion from 2019, as head coach. Why would you not do everything you can to get Dame Lillard and pair him with Embiid, even if it means you have to give up Maxi? Because now, again, Lillard would be the best player that Embiid has ever played with. It would instantly make them a top two or three contender in the NBA. Because you look at Philly with Dame Lillard and Embiid. That's better than Miami. That's probably just as good, if not better, than Milwaukee. Maybe not quite as good as Boston, but they're right there in that neighborhood. Same thing with Denver. It's better than pretty much every other team in the West except maybe Phoenix. So you look at Philly, you go from being a team that loses in the second round every year to now you should be at a minimum in the conference finals. And then, hey, you you take what you can get when you play Boston in the conference finals if you do, and if you get past them, Phoenix or Denver in the NBA finals. And this is a Philly team that... I know they've lost in the second round every year. They had a lead in game six this year, and they weren't that far away. I think if Philly wins game six against Boston, they probably beat Miami in the conference finals, and they're at least in the NBA finals against Denver. Now, I still would have picked Denver to win that, but they would be there, and who knows? Maybe they would have won. My point is they weren't that far away. You add Dame Lillard, you're getting out of the second round, and you're in the conference finals. And then at that point, if you play Milwaukee in the conference finals, I think you're better than them. If you play Boston, I think Boston with Porzingis is still better than Philly, but it's really damn close. And there's a Boston team that you just took to seven games a year ago. And we still have to see if Boston, with some of the moves they've made and some of the additions to the coaching staff, can actually figure it out and step on the gas when they're up on teams. Because if they don't do that against Dame Lillard in Philly, it's gonna they're not going to win that series. And then, of course, you get to the NBA Finals. Denver with Jamal Murray and Jokic, Lillard and Embiid, that's pretty damn close right there. And uh, Phoenix, 
I'd probably give Phoenix an edge over Philly, but again, it'd be really close. So although as a Celtics fan, I would love to have Dame Lillard. I think the team that should be pursuing Lillard the most is the Philadelphia 76ers. That window is not going to last forever with Joel Embiid. And this is a chance to give him a real 1A type star next to him, along with a great head coach that they just hired. Well, that's it for coach time today. I'll be back next week. Thank you very much to Brendan Hall for joining us. We've had several great guests as of late. Thank you to all of them. And thank you, especially Brendan Hall for today's show. Like I said, I'll be back next week. Until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening.